everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Common Ground. I'm Leanna. I'm Mirage. And I'm Sydney. It's really nice to be with you today. And we're diving into a topic I think touches a lot of people. And we're going to talk about um, what it looks like to become more involved in process over outcome. Uh, I think a lot of us become obsessed and hyper, um, yeah, obsessed, obsessed and hyper fixated on outcomes of things. We miss the magic of actually diving into doing the thing and miss a lot of magic there. Um, so I'm going to share a teaching from my teacher, Ali Bogard. So again, give credit where credit is due where she shares that there can be an element of prayer in your process, which then helps you foster more of an internal validation than seeking external validation, which is oftentimes why we become obsessed with results, why we become obsessed with outcome, and why we become obsessed with you know, seeking that validation from everyone else whenever really the joy comes from within you. <laughs> um, she shares a process that I'm going to share with you. I guess I should say it's kind of like three elements to a process that helps it become more like a prayer or more lived and more felt and then internally validated. Um, and there's three steps to it. So when you're thinking of process, when you're thinking of a practice, um, first of all, you need to know your truth. What that means is know why you're doing something. <laughs> um, don't miss this part. I think this can be missed in work a lot when you're showing up in the world. Um, I think, you know, as a yoga teacher, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to share and only seek external validation? <laughs> I think this is super applicable to artists and creatives. Why do you do your craft? And just any sort of work in the world, are you doing it for money? Or are you doing it to make a difference? Mm -hmm. um, so know your truth. And I, I guess another way to say that, and this is me interpreting what she shared, know your why. Mm -hmm. um, the second part, the second element to allowing a practice to become more of a prayer or more lived and more internally validated is to trust in the process. It's almost like you become obsessed with the process itself instead of the end result rather than the output. So it's like you become so engulfed with your input in the process, the magic of you doing the damn thing that the end result, the outcome is like a bonus if it's validated by other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, easier said than done, but I can say from experience that does enrich your days, mm -hmm. right? When you're not just hyper fixated on the end, and you're, you know, super involved with your current reality or like you in your day to day, um, it's a little more magical, a little more lived and more mindful for sure. Um, and then I would say number three, the third element 
of, you know, being in process as like a prayer or internally validated is to release the results, (laughs) which is hard. There is an element to um, surrender, right, of just allowing it to be out in the world, letting it live on its own, which I think is really hard. Uh, I think this is especially hard for creatives, artists, uh, or people that do like work on their passion, like their passions in their days. Um, But to have a surrender, you know, is to know internally, like I did my best work. I, um, showed up in a way throughout the process that was healthy. And I think the thing is like, you know, you did your best and you put it out there and you release the results <laughs> again, like sounds easy, but no, it's not. So these elements of knowing your truth, like your why, trusting in the process and releasing results kind of flips how we typically understand things where we typically become um, hyper, we don't know our truth, we manage the process, and then we become hyper, um, like, obsessed with the results. So it kind of flips it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Anything to add? Any thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm so happy went into detail on that, because I think it leads us into, and if you're thinking like, this is a yoga podcast, like what does this have to do with yoga? Um, I don't know why it didn't hit me before. And it was like, bing, bing, bing. But if you were listening to our previous discussions, surrender is a niyama, right? And it is the last of the niyamas in Patanjali Sutras. But I think the to come to what you were saying, Sid, about surrender, it's it's almost witnessed in the Western world, or maybe I, I, I can only speak to that as a weakness. Mm. And here you just like completely shifted that narrative, right. but it's that doesn't happen overnight. That mm. that can seem that can be something that has been embedded in you know you for a long time. If I surrender. I'm raising the white flag, you know, and I'm giving up. But in yogic principles, this is such an important niyama. It is one of like the highest being almost. And um, if I could just break it down again, I don't want to go too much into the niyamas. We have a ton of discussions on them, but it always circles back. So the first part is Vara means like supreme god ultimate reality or true self and then pranadana the second half of the word is means fixing Mm -hmm. so like in the niyama the translation is like we're surrendering to our highest self and Mm -hmm. i think that in itself is just so beautiful because that's what you do when you trust the process Right. Yeah. Rendered to your highest self. And it's freaking hard. <laughs> and it's, it's being willing to like yeah. lose control a little bit. Yes. And again, that's always seen as a bad thing. Like when you say I've lost control, like it's seen like you're spiraling. You're, right. You don't have your hand on the wheel. What's going to happen? Destruction will occur. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this element of losing control um, that we start to admit to ourselves that we don't have all the answers. Yeah. And that's when you really start to get to know yourself, when you start to lose that sense of like a boundary around yourself. When we're in control, we're setting up boundaries. Um, and when we start to say, I don't know, I don't actually know, um, let me see what happens along the way, then more possibilities open up. Right. There was a um, Guru Singh uh, shared a prayer once that really stuck with me. And it basically said, I'm, this is not all of it, but it was part of it of um, like, I trust that the right opportunities, the right people, the right things will step into the door when I need them or something mm. like that. And it's like, you say that over and over and over again. That just made me think of Leanna. When you do tarot, mm-hmm. you have that little card. Oh yeah. What um, does the card say? So it's a, a quote I keep in my car. Uh, just recently, I like just wrote it down on a little scrap of paper, and I read it every day when I get in my car because I drive so much. And um, it's it's been attributed to a lot of different people in different variations. Uh, the one I wrote down was attributed to Saint Francis of Assisi. It says. Um, what you're looking for is what is looking. (laughs) (laughs) That it's not a one-sided pursuit. Yeah. 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 And I think too, we have to mention this kind of before some surrender, which is there is an element of showing up for the process and I hate to say like doing the work or doing the practice that is necessary before you surrender. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I think, you know, there's like spectrums of being and spectrums of showing up. There are people, I think guys in the yoga world that are like, I surrender to whatever the universe has to give me. And then they (laughs) sit back and wait for it to come. Yeah. And that's so, I would be like remiss to yes. not mention that you have to be on the path, right? Like you have to be showing up in your process, in your practice. I'm kind of using those interchangeably today, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's super helpful or not, but like you have to show up for whenever that person comes in, right? Like the right person <laughs> might walk into the door and then if you're not like aware or mindful or on the path, you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's funny because my, I, I don't know if it, it's probably my mom or like maybe an aunt of mine, somebody said this, but it's like, you know, you're waiting for your perfect person right? Like, oh, I'm just never going to find my person, but you're sitting on the couch. Well, unless the person is like knocking at your door, delivering a package or bulldozing into your front door, you will not find that person sitting on your couch. And it's like, to what you're saying, Sid, like, in I, I mean, I could say it in the yoga world. I could say it in other worlds I belong to, but it's like, some people do just like sit and wait and just, you know, all, all that's meant for me will come. It's like, yeah. well, not if you don't open your mouth and speak yeah. up for what you want. <laughs> Think of another story. Have you ever heard of the drowning man parable? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like there was a man drowning and he's praying to God to save him. And so soon a rowboat comes by and the, the guy in the rowboat shouted to the man, hey, jump in, I can save you. And the guy says, no, God is going to save me. I'm waiting for him. And then a helicopter comes and like, I don't know the exact thing, but like helicopter comes and they drop down a rope and they're like, here, let us save you. And he's like, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. <laughs> And then there's like all of these other stories. And then at the end, it's like um, soon the guy was like really drowning or whatever. And um, like the guy was like, I had faith in you, God, and I don't understand why you didn't come and save me. And God replied, I sent you a rowboat, a helicopter. What more did you expect? (laughs) And I think that we can do that, right? When we're not like... Maybe we are being helped by something bigger. And if we're not aware enough to see it, we'll miss it. (laughs) Right. And like, just to put it out there, because I know like the word God and the things that we're saying might not be resonating with you. All of that to say, like, that can be your highest self, right? Whatever you see as the highest self, use that word and acknowledge that it does exist for you. So like, I'm just speaking for some people I know that might be listening to the pod, personal people that are like, oh, now I'm writing this one off because they're, you know, using spiritual and God. And it's like, no, 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 I'm looking at you and I'm letting you know there is a capital S high self that is working, but it's you, you know, it's what you find it to be. Um, And that's what we, I think, can say when we trust this process, trust our practice um, you start discovering more and more of what your truest self is and you start to notice the little things and not get so caught up. And like, I think the negative self-talk that can take you away from like seeing how far you've come, seeing, or even just starting, which I know is huge for some people, you know, like the, what if, well, they don't even start the process because they're just getting caught up in, the pre, <laughs> the pre-survey. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's so much to um, perfectionism and control that and fear that holds people back. Mm-hmm. And I know that that was one thing I learned when I was in like a online business class. They're like, get it to 75, 70, 80%, let it fly and trust that you'll learn what you need to know. (laughs) Like a lot of times people wait till things are perfect to put them out in the world when you're actually doing yourself a disservice because you're missing opportunities to learn how to make something better by just holding on to it for yourself. So like you can almost frame that as selfish, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So you have work and you have a craft or you have something that can be of benefit to others and you're hoarding it that's almost Mm -hmm. a disservice to how you can show up in the world (laughs) yeah yeah and then i know that um a lot of times people become obsessed with knowing what the steps are in the process Mm -hmm. right they won't start because they're like well i don't know the I don't know the trail. Like, I don't know the entire path and all the different steps I need to take when oftentimes you just need to take one step and it will present itself. Mm -hmm. Like the next best step will present itself. Um, 
and you know, like there was a saying like when I was building the other businesses, like I would say like that, which needs to be done will present itself because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, there's an, and that requires a lot of trust and not control. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Leanna and I were talking before and when you think about like entrepreneurs specifically, I think the ones that I've encountered, albeit some successful, some not, all of them have shared more struggles than triumphs. And I don't know if that is just because we are not acclimated to talking about our small wins. I think that's huge. Um, I think as females, as women, we're not really like, you know, accustomed to talking about our wins. And so a lot of factors go into it, but speaking about business owners specifically, it's like talking about all the hardships we think is going to help other people like learn from my mistakes and this and that, but it sometimes deters people. And it's like, mm. oh, no, I don't even know if I should get started because that sounds hard. And so it's like, you still have to always come back to yourself and what kind of Sydney was just sharing. Like if you have that inside of you and you're not sharing it, mm -hmm. are you, are you living out what you, what you can? Right. And yeah, I think yoga is for me, it's always this practice of doing what you can do yeah, and what you can't do. You can't do but simply doing what you can do. And there's so much to that. Like there's no limit to it. Only the limits you put on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And oh I think God. another thing that we learn through a yoga practice that applies to all other processes is to meet yourself as you are in that specific moment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm meeting so many new people over the last few weeks and you would be so surprised when they, like when I share that I'm a yoga instructor and I would say I'm, I feel comfortable saying like, I am a yoga instructor for beginners. Like I want to bring people into this practice. Of course I can teach other things, but for those that are just learning what it is to say, roll out your mat, I want, I want to be a teacher for those people. It is so interesting though, because over the last few weeks, I've been meeting a ton of new people and I'm just like talking to them and telling them I'm a yoga instructor, whatever. And the first thing they, they present to me is like doubt, fear, um, you know, like this scared mindset about just being on their yoga mat. And it makes me wonder like how much of that conversation isn't happening. What you just said, Leanna, like, just do what you can do mm -hmm. and just do, just do that. A lot of it is like what, you know, maybe is being presented externally on social and in magazines and in certain studio spaces where it's like that sense of pose hierarchy and all those things we hear about a lot more recently now. And I'm, I'm glad for that, but just knowing like, you know, you can just come on the mat. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I also, um, it's, making me reflect on what you emphasized at the beginning, Sydney, how you said, go back to your why. Yeah. 
-hmm. that's a good thing to come back to anytime you feel disheartened or you feel like you're starting to compare yourself to others or you feel as though like lethargic, um, like you feel as though you're becoming lethargic in it, um, come back to your why. And, you know, even if you don't continue on the, the path or you continue on the path, whatever it is, you're examining yourself. And I think that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And just being aware of the stories that you tell yourself that aren't true about things, you know, like, okay, so you work on something, you put it out in the world and maybe it wasn't received the way you thought. So then you can go, you can just say, well, I like, what is the truth of that statement? I did something, I put it out, wasn't received or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then you can add on this like layer of story of like, oh, because they think I'm a bad person or they took it and made it seem like it's something that they didn't like, you'll never know. And also the story, it makes me think Mirage of why people don't start yoga. They have all these stories that they tell themselves that aren't true necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. How do you think you become flexible? <laughs> I can't do yoga because you're on the brink of a story of why they can't do something. It doesn't only apply to yoga. And we realize that we have these narratives that we tell ourselves over and over and over and over again that aren't true. Mm -hmm. So I think it also goes to back to what we were saying of like, you know, um, being in the process and meeting yourself where you're at. Because it can also go the like swing to the opposite way. Maybe you're doing a killer job at the process, but then you tell your story like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to come off as like, I'm better than everyone. Like, and you'll, you'll then like lower yourself for no reason because maybe no one actually thinks that. Right. Right. So we have all these stories that we tell ourselves that generate fear unnecessarily that hold us back in ways that it's all in our minds. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's just, why do we do that to ourselves? Like, it's so like, it's tough. Like it sounds hearing you talk about it. Like, I know I do that to myself, but it sounds like agonizing. Like, is that really how I'm, how I'm living my days? <laughs> so and it's crazy because like, you know, unless you're doing a practice like mindfulness, like meditation, we're not even aware of it. Right. <laughs> right. We live our lives on this autopilot of stories that aren't true. Right. And then we like go 50 years and think, what the heck even happened? Right. <laughs> yeah. I think a big part of it for me is just like, I, um, I don't know, I get excited about things. And I think that excitement and that joy and that happiness of like trying something new really motivates me. Like trying new, I, I love that feeling of trying something new that I'm not good at, that I know nothing about, that I can ask a ton of questions about. I love that. Um, And then as I continue on, I still find that, you know, I don't, I still don't know, Um, you know, maybe from the outside, it looks like I'm not progressing, but I know internally Mm -hmm. I'm taking the steps and I'm still excited about it. And there's no need for like that external validation for somebody to tell me that I'm doing a good job. Um, for me, it's still meaningful. Um, 
And I think coming back to that joy, like that's connected to your why, like, why did you want to do it? Because it was something you were excited about. Like if it's something you're excited about, then it has meaning to you. It's something that you should be pursuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we should maybe talk about how to stay in the process, how to stay in the practice when it's hard or when it's not super joyful. Right. There's so yeah. many times that's when you're learning the most. Right. Right. Like, building resilience. And I, again, like going back to, you know, when you're building a passion project or want to say like side hustle or building a new business. And like in the beginning, it's so exciting. And then you get to that point where, um, you know, so many like teachers call it the dip. And we've talked about this internally so many times, but it's like, so good, so good, so good. Then it's like, boom, yeah. like you're, you like, you know, you're in the dip, but like, how do you get back up to the other side? Mm-hmm. And it, it takes, again, I think that's where like a trust comes in, yeah. the work to stay comes in. And if you're doing this as your work out in the world, like be a professional, mm-hmm. you can't just quit because all of a sudden it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be professional and have, I think like discernment and discipline to stay and that the people that come out of on the other side are like the people that you then see sharing all their wins, but they don't tell you about the dip, which is really annoying. And a part of why like the romanticism of entrepreneurship and um, social media, like really just makes me mad is because you're not seeing the whole story. You're seeing the other side of the dip. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think when you're in the dip, it's very, very easy to feel like you're the only one in the dip. (laughs) Only one ever have only the only person in the world have ever experienced a dip. Right. Yeah. Um, Right. (laughs) And just reminding yourself that you have community resources. Yes. Yes. Outlets that really want you to succeed. And even if you don't know that, go freaking find them. Right. Utilize the people that want you to succeed because I think it can be so, so easy to just get caught up in this. It's a me thing. Yes. You know, and it's not like we as a business, as practitioners, as students, as teachers, all I, I, I am speaking for you too. I've experienced <laughs> yeah. the dip in all different parts of our lives. And it's because we have one another, but also other communities that we are like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm experiencing this. Like there's a difference between sharing your struggles and not wanting to get out of them. There's, there is that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. sharing your struggle so that someone can say to you, look at the other side. It's the mm-hmm. light is there. You know, and sometimes we don't always see that because we think we're the only ones in it. Yeah. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Yeah. And also, I think it's worth saying that there's a huge difference between commiserating and helpful conversations that make you grow. Right. And that's why I love the dialogue. Complain, right? People have been sharing that dialogue. Like when someone is approaching you, you as the as the listener the uh, the receiver should ask like are you looking for advice or are you looking to just vent right mm-hmm. because then i know as 
the receiver, and this is kind of like a different topic, but just so that, you know, you have clarity to what Sydney's saying, like, you're not just commiserating and then feeling even more in the dip. (laughs) (laughs) How is that helpful? (laughs) And yeah, so like even talking to mentors, like be clear about what you want help with. Yeah. Because they appreciate Mm. you not wasting their time and being direct and knowing, having the sense enough to like, and preparedness too. And like, know the, you know, like some people don't know what your process and practice looks like or where you're at. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just being like super clear about where you're at and asking for like pointed help. Like this is what I'm stuck on. Right. You have any resources, knowledge, wisdom, and um, yeah, like really being clear in the ask too, I've found is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then also it has like this feeling of, um, yeah, like growth to it where you're not mm-hmm. feeling stuck and um, like you can't get out of the dip. Like maybe they present you a three rung ladder. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of you not being clear enough to know what you want and then they leave confused and you leave confused and you're just in the mud still. Mm-hmm. Yes. And see the three rung ladder as a sign. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm waiting for a rope. No, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, mm. I hope that this conversation was as nourishing for all of you as it was for me. Um, And just like, I think the takeaway is really asking, I I love what you said at the beginning said like, come, what is your why? You know, in this process, and it doesn't matter where you are, we're talking yoga, relationships, business, like yoga in the real world is your process. And, you know, asking Mm. what, can you take away from that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one more thing to add is a yoga practice. And like I said, these practices of mindfulness feed all of the other processes that you're in. Like mm-hmm. yogis are trying to find this place inside that's like regenerative. Like they're trying to connect to this wellspring of energy and information and like being in the world that fills all of the other processes with a different sort of vitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for being here. We will see you again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Take see care. You. Bye.